All right, everybody. Welcome to Dumb and Awful. This is Brett at Relentless Board. Uh, this is Rob at Dumb and Awful. And this is Brad at Fizz for Shizzle. All right. Yeah, apparently, like the last glacier that left the United States or what would become the United States, like just shit all over Long Island. Like that was where it just like wiped its feet before it went wherever the hell it went. And so geographically and like, you know, plant life and all these things, Long Island is bizarre. I'm trying to think of I've seen anything super unique, but not really. Uh, one unique thing that we saw on the way here was somebody uh, painted a, a plywood panel white. And then in uh, so it's like the sort of bubble letters uh, that a serial killer might do, like just somehow bubble letters, but menacing. They wrote on that whiteboard in, in black. Trump equals workfare, Biden equals welfare. And that was pretty poignant to me. <laughs> was that the sign that Brett posted that was it like was. not really attached? It was just kind of like yeah, leaning. leaning. Oh, did you post that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's an <laughs> excellent little artifact. That sign made me sad. Not really because of the politics. I mean, it's Long Island. The fact that the sign doesn't like chase you down in a Range Rover and shoot you with a concealed carry means that Politically, that sign is, is relatively anodyne. It's just, you know, as an artist, I relate to having a, <laughs> a creative vision and just being completely incapable of executing it. Because it, it, He was so close. First of all, the calligraphy sucks, fam. You got to work on that. Uh, you have someone else write it for you. But just, you would think, welfare, workfare. You know, F-A-I-R, workfare. But he didn't do that. He, he did Biden welfare, Trump workfare, F-A-R-E, which isn't even the play on words that was laid right before him. And you know, that that just sometimes your reach ex extends your grasp creatively. And I, I hope that guy, it, it's like Ira Glass in, in that famous quote he has about how, you know, you get into these things because you have taste and you respect taste and you know what's good. And what's so hard about creating is for the longest time, you just have to try and fail. Until, you know, maybe it takes years before you're, you're up to the standard uh, that you yourself consume. And I like to think that, you know, in, in three or four years, this guy will have a, a really punchy, sort of witty, yeah, I suck my cop's dick uh, placard out in front of his lawn. And he'll be <laughs> able to enjoy that, that, that unique, the unique feeling that comes with nailing it. That's my favorite thing to do as we, like, bounce around. And honestly, just favorite thing to do now in general when you move is you drive around the neighborhood as you're getting in and just start counting the insane signs in the yard. And it's like, which am I more concerned about? The don't tread on me, the blue lives matter, the the flag that's uh the the the, the blue the thin blue line, but it has all of the other colors too, the ones that nobody bothers to learn because they're all deranged. First, yeah, like the uh fucking like people that answer nine one one have one of those flags. Yeah, am I more concerned with those? The Biden-Harris sign, I'm a little concerned about that one. The Biden-Harris flag, mm. or uh, the dude who doesn't have any of that, and they just have a giant yellow flag with a smiley face on it, just menacing you from a distance. As you guys have been traveling around Long Island, have you, A, met the family that influences all of Chuck Schumer's policies, and B... Have you realized that an imaginary family from Long Island is like the guiding stone for all of Chuck Schumer's policies? You know, we haven't met them yet. I'm still on the hunt. We haven't had a chance to uh, meet and dialogue with them because much like the Democratic Party, we, we haven't yet earned their trust. 
You know, we're going to have to be a bit more racist and a lot more regressive economically before they feel comfortable uh, coming over to our side. But I, I believe they are here. I mean, that the amount of the flagpole business is booming out here in Long Island. <laughs> it just it doesn't make any sense. Like Brett said, there's someone that just had like an enormous, like the sort of flag that normally you'd have to like buy online special order to, in Florida because you want to have like the biggest Confederate flag in the South or whatever. There's like flags that size and, and it was just a smiley face. That's so frightening to me. It was funny because both Rob and I, like, we caught we caught it, and it was like, oh, shit, is that a giant? Don't try it on me because it's yellow. And we're like, oh, no, it's just a smiley. And then there's a beat, which we're like, no, that's more concerning, not less. <laughs> because the thing is, the guy that put up the, the smiley face flags, he knows exactly what he's doing. He made a choice, yes. and he stuck to it. The person that puts up, like, the Blue Lives Matter flag right next to the don't tread on me one, that guy's just incoherent. He's casting about in darkness. He, he's going like, yeah, we're Americans. You don't fucking, the, the fucking boot of authoritarian will never step on us. We live free or die. Uh, but also we love our, we love our cops and they're, they're we're blue lives matter. It, it's like those two concepts shouldn't go together, uh, except in the mind of someone who has the vague inclination that like, well, yeah, tread on some people, but don't tread on anyone that has the don't tread on me flag. That's like the, <laughs> that's like the sacrifice that I'm putting over my door on Passover uh, so that <laughs> the cops know not to bust my door down and kill my dog. I'm, I'm one of you guys. Tread on other people. How many people in Long Island have like a Punisher tattoo, but they also have like a Joker tattoo, you know? It's just so you know, like they're both sides, you know? It's like, man... I'm going to become the Joker, and then I'm also going to misinterpret the Punisher. And if I ever read Watchmen, I'd also really like Rorschach, probably. <laughs> no, Long Island's been, uh, I don't know, honestly, mostly dull on that front. It is so fucking boring out here. I just spend my days cursing at gulls. <laughs> just, just smoking shitty cigarettes and cursing at gulls, which, you know what? They fucking deserve it. I think in general it's funny to like berate animals because they don't know what you're saying. Who cares? <laughs> A wild animal that, like, anytime a deer walks by outside the window at night, I just open the window and yell at him, like, oh, yeah, real smooth, dumbass. And it, <laughs> it gets me through the day. But the gulls really have it coming because they, these gulls are actually hard workers. They go out there and they pull the fish out of the ocean. And when you, when you go down to the beach, there's just dead fish everywhere. Yeah. But they aren't even fully eaten. The birds are just eating the eyeballs out of them and leaving them. And to me, and that's, sometimes the guts, yeah, that's wasteful. Like fucking finish your plate. Don't fuck it. Don't let your eyes be bigger than your stomach, birds. I'm just the profligacy. The, the profl prof, The profligacy. Oh, fuck it. I can't say. It. <laughs> They're profligate. That's a, that's a big, you know. You know yeah, what? That, was, uh, that word was aggressive. That was a. It was a bold choice. You know what? Uh, the the <laughs> vulpus guy in Fallout New Vegas says about that town he burns down. Uh, that word. <laughs> pretend I said that word. Also pretend I'm wearing a, a, a wolf helm. That, that's just something I thought that that character did that was cool. I can't I can't be angry at these goals too much because they are the hardworking goals. They actually go out there. They're not they're not fucking begging for crumbs and handouts. They're going out there. They're putting in the nine to five. They're getting the fish themselves. They're doing the work. Yeah, not the sort of goals that just sit around and, and squawk all day with their friends and you have to close the window because you can't get a, get a wink of sleep i get what you're saying buddy yeah, loud they're, they're and clear. hard working long island seagulls 
you know, I've never picked a fish out of the sea, so I'm not going to complain about how a hardworking animal eats it. If he just wants to eat the eyes, if everything else is like total shit, okay, I get it. Like, that's fine. Maybe <laughs> you guys should grab the rest of the fish because you're not going to eat the eyes. I see this as like sure. a, you know, this is a this is like symbiosis, you know? Just backwards and different. It's not my it's job sad. to clean up after them. These gulls are doing the the nautical equivalent of rolling coal. It's a conspicuous <laughs> consumption and intentionally wasteful. I don't like it. And these are things I have to think about now because, again, I've been in fucking quarantine and, and moving around New York so much that I've just gone completely insane. I've just, I, I spend my days just thinking about death and playing Coldplay on the piano. <laughs> <laughs> just full Coldplay goth is, that's what I've decided just riding out my early 30s, emulating Chris Martin and pondering the void. I'm trying to get him to join me as uh, just an insane hermit wandering the beach every day, staring into the ocean. It's great. Especially when the wind's whipping, you really get that like hard-bitten feel. It's fantastic. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a fucking 30-something slob with a, a bad back and numerous physical ailments. My, I, my face looks like the surface of the moon. I don't need to stare at the ocean to feel hard bitten. That's the first thing I experience every time I come into consciousness in the morning. I just feel like every single day you guys are stepping out the front door and you're getting like the music from Disco Elysium when you leave the bar every day. And then outside on the beach, like when he's like on the boat to the island, that sad song plays as you stare at the seagulls. It, I would, it sounds... That is the vibe. If there yeah. was Halloween this year... Or, I mean, there was Halloween, but just for people that, like, didn't mind infecting everyone around them. If I went to a Halloween this year, I feel like I would have nailed the Disco Elysium costume. Yeah. Sometimes when he's walking around, like, w with his pants off and, like, one sock just staring in the mirror and, and grimacing, I'm like, <laughs> damn, it's like I'm looking at the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Long Island's fucking boring. Co yeah, Long Island's fucking boring. Uh, COVID sucks. Although actually, there I did notice one thing on the way in is um, they have a petting zoo, like you know, w within a, a decent drive, and that's apparently still open through COVID. So a lot of businesses affected. The petting zoo still going strong. <laughs> the thing I realize is like Brett isn't interested in going to the petting zoo. Correct. And and so I think I might just go solo because there's no law against that. <laughs> <laughs> just a grown man. Just a grown ass man by himself with the llamas, <laughs> just having a great time. Just, <laughs> just seven foot tall Slav smells like cigarettes, wearing like four coats because he doesn't have his parka. Just putting his hand out and letting the llama lick it. And you know what? You can do that for as long as you want. If you get there early, they can't kick you out after an hour. That, that's who I'm going to become. This is the, that's like the saddest solo activity you can do. That's like that's like the the meme of like. Uh, with something that feels like pedophilia, but isn't uh, an adult man at a petting zoo alone. That's a situation where the staff is like, legally, we're in the clear, but <laughs> existentially, what a problem. <laughs> like, sir, you, you do know, like, it would actually be less embarrassing if uh, they thought I was a pedophile. Because <laughs> at least there'd be some paradigm for understanding, like, my brokenness. <laughs> Sir, are you just here by yourself to play with the animals? Like, no, 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 I'm a pedophile. Oh, okay, well, just oh, go ahead. Goodness. Okay, well, we're yeah. used to those. We'll keep an eye on you. Let us, <laughs> just let us know, okay? 
but that is that is really like the call of cthulhu when you're just like he just pets the baby goats <laughs> for hours the other kids come up and and want to want to pet he lets them right he's not happy about it clearly but then he goes back to petting the goats <laughs> <laughs> you are so desperate for dopamine you were just in the goat shack or whatever like quirky name they have for it there. Sir, please stop giving the animals new names. We have already named the animals. Well, it's also not illegal to, to change the animal's name in my mind. Sir, can I ask you to not cry into the llama hair? In, you know what? I don't care what all of you fucking babies, some of you literally want to call these goats. Uh, I, I've named him Chris Martin. <laughs> I've also named the sheep Chris Martin. <laughs> Everything here is Chris Martin. And, and there's just like one bored teenage girl in a booth just like, just become a pedophile, you weirdo. <laughs> in the back of my Uber, like, uh, yeah, just to the petting zoo, as if he knows off the top of his head. Like, I'm just like, yeah, yeah uh, 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 First Avenue in Houston, please. The, the same, like, Uber driver picks you up there, too, but it happens, like, several <laughs> times. There's no reason to be in your 30s and at a, a petting zoo other than depression. Although, no, it, it could mean, be it could be if, worse. How, how, dark are, how dark are we willing to get on this show today? It could be worse if, like, you were, you were supposed to go there as, like, a meet-cute sort of, like, date and you got stood up. Or it's just like the Charlie Brown music is playing as you're like holding open a palm of feed and letting a llama lick it out of your hand forlornly. But actually, I think that's probably more dignified because then at least you can be like the, the rom-com act one guy that's like, oh, she didn't show up, did she? I get it. I understand. Again, because you picked a date at a fucking petting zoo, you, you creep. <laughs> but like, that's at least the style. People will feel bad for you. No yeah. one feels bad for you if you're just like, I I. I just missed touch. You could be location scouting for uh, when you're laying out your heist plans to Brad Pitt and the rest of the Oceans gang. Yeah, but not when you've been there for 10 straight days, <laughs> like only at the llama pen. <laughs> uh, how's Asheville going now that you're back? I sit here downstairs. I study. I wait to take a test. I don't get any job offers or opportunities. It is fucking dire. That's sort of like what going to Florida State University is like. So kudos. Uh, well, join join me on the no job opportunities front, man. It's yeah, so what you would you know you would think of uh, you would think that in a health you know pandemic like healthcare jobs would be booming, but it's actually quite the opposite. How is that? So all elective procedures are gone, right? Right. They're 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 closing again in waves. Like Middle Tennessee did it. Tennessee this week actually activated the National Guard. Um, and there are, yeah, like Johnson City is bringing in refrigerated trucks because their morgue is full. Like it's getting really bad. So all those mid-levels, like PAs and NPs who were working elective procedures are now like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? So they're going to go back and take all the shitty jobs that, you know, generally new PAs would take, like fresh out of school PAs. So all those jobs are gone. So it's going to be horrible this year. And there's going to be a whole new wave of PAs graduating, you know, over the next, over 2021 who will also be looking for work. And so they'll be doing what they always do, which is like, well, they'll offer you way less money. We'll contract you out. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Not quite as bad as 2008 for me, but probably not too far off. Dude, you and I are so good at this. I, I just wanted to join you there. We are incredible at timing this shit up where it's like found an industry. There's actually job opportunities. I'm in the right place. I'm doing it right this time. I'm a network. I'm going to fucking set myself up. It's going to go okay. And then it's like, actually, an even more 
unpredictable fucking mess has arrived on your doorstep right when uh, you are attempting to get work. And it's just like, fuck. I think, Brett, Brett, you and I need to go back to school and get like geology degrees and decide to go work for Exxon. And then like just fucking as soon as we graduate, boom, like someone inv- invents clean, like and if, and aliens come and just give us free energy. And we'd be like, that was us. Thank you. We're still unemployed, but we just solved the climate crisis. Brett doesn't have to do that because unlike in uh, 2008 and 2009, this time he's got a plan and Brett is Michael burying the market. So as as everything right. as everything falls apart and shit gets worse, it's gonna be a pretty penny for old Bretsky over here. I mean, I can't make you can't actually make that much when you don't have a lot of money. But I am actively betting against the market because I figured this time around when it drops, I'm gonna at least make ten dollars off of it. There Hopefully, it'll go. be more than that. But like, f- fuck it, I'm I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is. And you don't know how much ten dollars is gonna be worth when that plunge happens. I mean, you might be sitting pretty if things get bad enough. That is true. Yeah, take that, take that ten dollars and reinvest Michael Burry style in Waters futures, which is apparently a thing now. Yeah, you can buy water commodities. God, that's so deranged. That was like that was like a plot point from a two thousand seven James Bond movie. Yeah, Quantum of Solace, and that's that right. movie made no sense, and our lives make no sense now. <laughs> You'd think it would, uh, in retrospect, make that movie better, but it's still dog shit. Don't even try. Yeah, no, I, everything economically has gone so it's gotten so broken like nothing is connected in any way that makes any sort of sense anymore tesla is up i mentioned this on another podcast but it's up i think as of today now it's up 850 percent on the year and it's like did they did they invent the cure for covid that i'm unaware of they invented i mean they are still bringing solace to americans because they invented the funniest product rollout i've ever seen that is what, I mean, I think that was this year, right? Where they threw like a brick at their truck and it just broke the window and they're like, ah, yes. well, fuck it. Anyway, <laughs> we're, we're worth a trillion dollars. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I think, I still think they weren't even the funniest. That would be the uh, the truck company Nikola, which produced a video yeah, yeah. of their own, but it turned out they had just like rolled it down a hill and they said, well, we never said we turned it on. And everyone was like, damn, they got us. Here's like, $10 billion of money for no reason. I like the Hyperloop uh, prototype they did too, which is just like two white people looking uncomfortable in roller coaster seats, just like strapped into a tube, accelerating to the mind-boggling <laughs> speed of like basically 100 miles per hour uh, as, as they are pushed through an oil pipeline in the desert. Just like what? Does nobody anywhere? I mean, I guess not. I guess if you can make money ignoring facts, then like that's a really profitable way to live but like oh, yeah. it, it they've somehow made a worse train there i mean there are fucking cabs you can get in new york city in the middle of traffic that hit higher top speeds on the way to the destination than that fucking hyperloop Every, yeah everything is fucking decoupled that that uh there's a bloomberg article about how water is now speculative and at the end of it there's a quote where someone goes without this tool you know people have no way of managing water supply risk uh, this may not solve that problem entirely, but it will help soften the financial blow that people will take if their water supply is cut off. So it's like, what the f- it's like, what? oh, by having a new California waters market where people can speculate on it like a commodity, it allows us to hedge a little bit about financial hits you might otherwise take to your portfolio uh, if if you are dying of thirst in, in the California <laughs> desert. Speculating water commodities is so supremely evil and also is a really good indication that they've run out of ways to make profit yeah like like it's like well we got water and air they're like ah water's probably easier to hold on to yeah it's hard not to 
pay attention to economic stuff right now and think like, oh, wow, this is like last legs of the system. I'm not saying it's going to collapse into socialism or barbarism. Oh, it'll be probably. barbarism. I'll say it. I'll say barbarism. If yeah, I'm going to bet, on the record. That's, that's where I bet. But like for sure, as things currently stand, it cannot continue. Like, I don't think it makes it another full year as it is. And you can see this in, uh, uh, let me lay out my case here. We have water commodities. That in and of itself is a terrible sign, right? The fact that we are moving into water commodities as a thing, that they need to open that up as a market is a really good indication that there's no profit left. Another good indication there's no profit left is that after the big drop, when COVID first uh, hit everything, so that there was a massive market drop in March, it's completely recovered from there and now is at uh, Dow 30K, the highest it's ever been, which is- We did it, baby. <laughs> So fucking ridiculous. Right now, that's where we're at. Almost all of those gains were from uh, what's called FANG, which is just basically all the big tech companies. Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Microsoft. It was also the Fed. The Fed was, you know, <laughs> pumping a lot of money into the system. Yeah, but so if all the gains come from only tech companies are really doing all that well, and everything else is from the Fed. And on the Fed side is... The Fed is pouring, I think the last number is like $3.3 trillion or something like that. And, and what they're essentially doing is offering zero interest loans to companies. And the companies are taking them and not using them to pr- increase production or keep themselves afloat. What they're doing is they're using that to then juice their stock price, which you usually do by doing a stock buyback. So they're buying their own stocks to juice their own stock price with the free money the Fed gave them. And then because they are because the money is free and it allows them to create a profit out of doing nothing, we don't need as many workers. So they are taking Fed money, firing people, juicing their stock price, which just then creates a larger bubble. So that's where all the stock market gains have come from. Like six tech companies and just the Fed pumping up companies who are then using it to fire you. Okay, so none of that's sustainable in and of itself. Just like normal market bubble stuff like that's fucking ridiculous. Other side of it is, Something like a third of all the small businesses have gone under, which, which means all of those people don't have jobs anymore. And I don't give a fuck if there's COVID or not. Like COVID disappears tomorrow. All those people don't have jobs. We're at, I think it's like 10 or 12 million people uh, are at least 10 or $15,000 in debt on the rent side. Just like haven't paid that much in rent because it's been so many months of like no evictions, but also no rent payment. And it's like, well, that has to hit at some point. Right, sooner or later, that that or somewhere on the books, that has to be balanced. And even if you bail out the landlords, that does not help the people. So where do they go? It's like okay, so you have a mass population of people who are sooner or later going to get forced out of their home, or, or be driven to bankruptcy, or both, probably both. There are more people now than since I think the Great Depression who uh, ha- are food insecure. Who the fuck is left? It's like, well, there's the work from home thing, but they're going to. They're already telling you what they're going to do with that. They're saying, hey, we can cut. We can come employ salaries because now you don't have to live in an expensive area anymore. We can also do this with less people. So they're giving you all the signals that they're going to start killing you on that end. Uh, All the office buildings are empty. So that's, that's commercial real estate. That's absolutely getting pummeled. So I I don't know how you're going to resolve that one. And it's like any of these by itself would create a recession. Like one of these things in and of itself would create a really bad 2008 level of recession. All of them at once. It's like, fundamentally how do you keep this going like what is the game plan here and the game plan is negotiate ever smaller amounts of stimulus that you never actually pass like it's one of those where 
even if you started cutting checks to everybody right the second, I don't know that that solves the problem. But maybe. But they can't even figure out how to cut one check one more time. Oh, yeah. But when it comes to, like, uh, corporate or business bailouts, that money comes out at the fucking speed of sound. Uh, but, yeah, when it comes to the average fucking workers, there's absolutely no one trying to fix you. These people are fucking yellow, and I swear to God, it makes me see sparks. I, and that's the other bit, is that even the... Even if you go like, oh, okay, well, there's some, let's pretend we care a lot about small businesses. And I care about them from the, as a source of employment, right? It's a lot of people who are going to lose jobs. That shit sucks. Even if you think they are getting the bailout, they have the PPP loans, right? More and more, it's coming out that like, none of those went to actually small businesses. Tom fucking Brady got a million dollars for his bullshit nutraceutical company. It's, that's the fucking X and Y of it, right? Like if, if you're not rich, you're fucked. And if you are rich, the rich get richer. Like Tom Brady has been bailed out his entire life. And yet again, there's a fucking genius mastermind with a plan and an airhead Slavic person that's going to come in and bail him out. <laughs> that's right, Gronkowski. <laughs> we remember those cruises. But it's so disgusting that, that Tom Brady, of all people, gets bailed out. At this point in Florida, every rich, shitty organization or politically connected organization got money, and basically every small business didn't. Because Tom Brady got money, Shalala got money, the fucking state DNC of Florida got money, and if you were a, like a mom and pop shop, you got fucked. How did you guys not get money? I mean, you're like tangentially related to Florida. Didn't didn't doesn't this show have employees? Like you guys really dropped the fucking ball on that. I know. I I am genuinely. I was gonna do this as a bit, but I am genuinely tempted to register this as a specific type of company because then it would be fully veteran owned if i do it the right yeah, way we should totally llc that just go into like the tax office like um i would like to have the financial vehicle that come town has they seem <laughs> to have it do you know the come town boys they seem to have their finances in order yeah that's legalzoom.com slash come town um and that will come <laughs> right to you you should absolutely do it say it's veteran owned say it's like you know the dumb and awful veteran whatever no one's gonna fucking check that and i mean it's supporting veterans which is more than most veterans groups can actually claim since you are a veteran yeah it's sort of a uh, uh twisted logic but fuck i mean nobody said this shit would be easy but certainly <laughs> no one said it would be so hard so fucking i mean a, there's a lot of things i don't understand finance is one of them but yeah fucking if we can do it let's do it i mean i personally there's no way i get a stimulus otherwise because they're still basing things off of uh taxes from when i was working full-time 18 months ago it's ridiculous this is how absurd it is it's like there is no way for me to figure out how to get money out of the fucking government other than form a goddamn s corp uh and pretend that i'm i'm going to drill in the arctic or that like i have the ability to secure covid vaccines and then just oh. fuck it i'll figure it out Holy shit. So, I mean, I, I, again, I'm gonna get made fun of for this, but it's fine. Uh, 60 minutes was on last night and they had some random fucking guy, some Republican piece of shit who started a COVID PPE supplies company where yeah. he was using like his political connections to like buy $5,000 ventilators and selling them for 41 G's per unit to the States and letting them, you know, argue with each other over price and he's sitting there defending himself to like leslie stall or whomever it is who's just like how are you doing this like the market is so volatile and we were just filling that demand and it's like god damn how 
How just is middle this guy? It. You're just middlemaning yeah. it. That's yeah. all. How is this guy? And then they went to like a random like Bitcoin dude in like San Francisco whose family was from China who just like knew a dude in China and now is like driving Aston Martins to his warehouse because he has such good connections. Yeah, it's good all on like, that guy. I love, by the way, how we're literally describing the the like collapse of the Soviet Union style, where you're like, "How did the government work?" And it's like, "Well, a guy knew a guy, so all the money went to him." Yeah, everyone right now is is looting the plane while it's midair uh, and looking for their parachutes, including, like you said, uh, uh, California-based spies. Uh, everyone is just, <laughs> everyone is getting their, you know, everyone's being careful where you stand and and just trying to avoid trouble. And and get get all the money they can before politics reattaches itself to governance. Because right now there's no checks on any of this stuff. So yeah, people can. There do what won't they be want. under Dems either. To be clear, there's no like. Oh, magical... I was thinking. I was thinking uh, beyond that. Oh yeah, no, no. no. When I mean, China, there's... when China comes and frees us, everything's not lost. But uh, we're probably not solving it uh, in the immediate future ourselves. No, I uh, yeah. Because we never change. You know, I, I had thought the other day. So like, you know, Biden is doing the whole like, hey, look, I have I have all the identities. All right, like I got I, I caught them all in my cabinet. I have every identity. I've got all of them. Listen, Jack, when I get a rush of blood to the head, I come up with a new identity. I'm up to I'm up to fifty right now. <laughs> I keep getting a sense of deja vu to gm and i think it was about 2010 so after that gm got bailed out i don't know if everybody remembers this so they got bailed out they were allowed to declare bankruptcy the government like poured all this money into them to shepherd them through they put a their first female ceo in charge and then they trotted her out to explain to congress how they've actually been selling cars that are killing people uh but you can't do anything about it now because you let us go through bankruptcy Anyway, here's the woman to explain that to you. And it has the same vibe right now with Biden of like, yeah, the reason he's willing to elevate identities right now is because someone's got to hold the bag. Yeah, there's, there's a long history of this. Uh, it's not like they just figured out this mechanism. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's necessarily because I, I get what you guys are saying. It's sort of like on the GOP side, you know, like no matter how like as a uh, Republican presidency gets worse, like the the press secretary becomes a prettier and more blonde woman like every single yes. time um but like yeah like i see what you're saying there but i think that's i don't think it's necessarily like shit's fucked let's put you know some non-whites up there to like you know i don't think it's purely i just it. think like because like you know because that's like the that. but that's like performative leftism you know like it's like yeah we're gonna have a, a latino woman telling to all right the, the person you know who's gonna be in charge of dhs is like you know latino themselves so they can't be racist for murdering kids in cages or whatever like that like it's 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 totally or you know we have women deciding to bomb yemeni weddings like it's so progressive and inclusive now like it's it's sort of like stupid window dressing for fucking asshole libs who aren't really paying that much attention anyway yes no yeah i mean i i do think like it's a uh second or third order thing the first order is like it's everything's aesthetics they're already talking about like maybe Joe Biden comes to the inauguration in a train. And it's like, I just, I, cool. I, I, I just told you how we're basically in a depression. I don't give a fuck how he shows up unless he shows up on a pile of money he's handing out to us because that is what needs to be done. You know, real fast, though, you're talking about uh, Joe Biden coming in a fucking train. He might have to since Trump's going to be using the plane still because Trump is going to do a competing rally during Joe Biden's inauguration. Good. Have fun that with that. Owns, uh, that owns. Yeah. Thank, thank you for that one. Give me something to delight yeah. in during this. You know, a lot of a lot of people, they're funny for a couple of years and then they sort of lose touch with the thing that made people laugh as, as they get more and more power and status. You know, your, your Seinfelds, your Chris Rocks. Your your, David Sedaris. 
Yeah, you're David Sedaris, certainly. He was briefly funny for Sure, a just throw that... David Sedaris under the <laughs> Well, I'm just saying Donald Trump, that never happened to. He's as right. funny now as he was the moment he came in. I throw David Sedaris under the bus for a fucking reason, Brad. Did you see this? No. What, what happened now? Oh, so Sedaris has like fully become a rich, whiny lib. Uh, yeah. He always was a, a rich, whiny lib, but when he was starting out in his literary career, uh, he was still like the sort of person that like went went to art school but had to work side jobs or had lo- little like quirky exchanges at his aunt's house because he, he didn't own real estate and all that. But now we're like 20 years out from that. So his sensibility of just like, you know, maybe I'm a little bit of a fancy lad, but I live on a pile of trash. Now it's like, I'm a little bit of a fancy lad and I have several pied-à-tiers. I live in France with, with my husband, Hugh, which I speak French fluently, and nothing bothers me more than when I go to Barney's and they don't have the gift wrap. That was literally the, the hilarious essay that they played on CBS yeah. Good Morning. Him going like, how do I escalate just a normal management complaint? What if I could get them fired? What if, what if I just was allowed to fire them as a customer? And, it, and it's, it's extra galling because David Sedaris is one of the first things that got him famous was a fucking essay about working as an elf. At, fucking I think it was elf, like, yeah. Santa Land Diaries. Yeah, Santa Land Diaries. I think it was yeah. at like Macy's or something. Yeah. And how every single rich lib that came in there was just a piece of shit and he hated them and he wished he could kill them. And it's like, <laughs> it, it, just a full... So like that guy got enough money and fame that he's completely become the thing that he loathed when he was younger. Yeah, just, just viva la vida every fucking day. Uh, until that pernicious and twisted logic turns you into the thing that you used to be satirizing, but now you just kind of are. Every comedian that does this, it's depressing. David Sedaris doing a straight 180. On, like, it, it's the exact opposite of his point when he got famous. It's- yeah. Yeah, Chuck Palahniuk did the same thing. Like, I don't know if you guys ever read, like, Fight Club and shit like that when you were in high school. But, like, yeah, he's... I preferred rant for what it's worth, but I like the oral history genre. <laughs> no, but nobody read Polonius rant, but it was okay. It's fun. It was decent. I read it. I liked that one. Choke was good too. He's turned into a total fucking whiny lib who shits on millennials, and he's always like, "I can make fun of this because my boyfriend's a millennial." Like, no, no, fuck, dude. But like, he's just the exact, you know, same thing. He's I don't know what he was riffing on, uh, you know, with the guy who's sitting on the bottom of the pool and has asshole sucked out, and he had to chew his intestines off with his teeth. But like, you know. He hasn't become that, I don't think, but he has become something. He that was the early sign that he was just like Twitter poster guy because I remember when uh, it was Choke right came out and he was doing readings and it was like, oh, this short story is so gross, people were passing out and and barfing and fainting uh, at the readings because it it was so perverted and and just just disgusting. If he if he tried like tweeting about that now he just have a million replies like yo that didn't happen (laughs) (laughs) like how many people's careers would never have been able to happen if there was just twitter on there to tell them to shut the fuck up and they had never been told that before in their life and they just completely melted down and couldn't handle it like who in the 90s like fucking uh andy or who's the guy that uh, got john lovitz or uh that john lovitz almost murdered who got a phil hartman's wife to kill him andy dick yeah andy dick like, that guy could not handle being told to shut up on Twitter, I bet. I don't know why that thought just came into my mind. <laughs> like, Neera Tandon is, you know, somehow successful despite being so terrible at Twitter. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how her confirmation hearings go. 
because Mitch McConnell has already like the 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 right wing machine insofar as it's operating right now with Trump running a shadow presidency or whatever is already saying like man this she is so like far radical left she literally needs to log off but like it's sort of brilliant where you're like everyone on the left hates Nero Tandon for a thousand good reasons that we don't need to get into but like Mitch McConnell going to be like this person's way too left this is the most leftist person you can imagine <laughs> it's like it works like a just sort of like because Joe Biden's gonna be like oh man we can't get any more left than Nero Tandon but then it just trolls the shit out of people that actually know anything about her there's something going on that that's just it's very specifically frustrating uh, and, and every time I hear discourse in this particular like manner, it's just like a fucking angry rush of blood to the head. It, it's the idea that Americans think that conservatives are everything on the right, like insane alt-right literal Nazi type stuff, which I guess is also acceptable. Uh, and the left is near a tandem. Like it, <laughs> once you break out of like, there's liberals and conservatives, and that's it. That's all the politics there is. I know in other countries they have like multiple parties because I guess there's like different permutations of politics. But you know, I'm sure it's just you know uh, liberal parties and conservative parties with small differences. Like it is impossible for the American political brain, and why wouldn't it be? We don't have fucking civics or education. There's no reason to buy into politics because it's so fucking detached unless you're a billionaire. But we don't even have the basic political understanding of going like. No, no, no. Liberals are one thing and fucking leftists are another thing. They actually don't share beliefs. And it breaks my fucking brain every time people are just like, the left is so intolerant with it, with its uh, id poll language and, and making you watch prestige TV and, and, and you know, buying you H&M stuff for Christmas. It's like, what the fuck? What do you who is this? <laughs> I always like when people throw down like the 1984 whenever there's anything about surveillance and they reference 1984. Like I, I think I've said this before, but like 1984 was not written, you know, predicting closed circuit television. Like George Orwell wasn't some, you know, engineering genius saying what the world's going to be like. The most important thing in 1984 was when he just flat out had the scene where there's like, oh yeah, there's going to be fewer words and it'll make like, you know, we won't have to describe as many things, but it'll be easier to communicate and things will go faster. And then Winston and the character just like, yeah, he's right. He's going to get killed because he understands too much. Oh, well, bye. And like, that's what's happened. Like you can't even like, you can't describe your politics because there's no language to do it anymore. Yeah, like you said, you are either Fox News or you were to the left of Fox News. And Fox News is what sets that line. Yeah, and the radical left is yeah what Fox News says it is. The, the linguistic uh, element is interesting. It reminds me of the maybe apocryphal tale that like communities and tribes, this is like an anthropological thing, that have more uh, names for a color. So like if they have words for like 15 different shades of green, they are actually objectively, scientifically better at differentiating those shades. So if you as an American are told to look at 40 green tiles and say, how many different ones are there? You will empirically do worse than someone who's from a society that has 25 different uh, words for green shades. They'll fucking pluck every single one and nail it. And you won't. And that's because you just your mental paradigm doesn't allow you to distinguish between them because your understanding of the world is not that those additional elements are there and perceivable. And so when it's just, well, there's Fox news and then there's liberals, the goddamn liberals who are also Marxists and communists. We just don't have the language to distinguish discrete political positions anymore. It's a fucking bummer. 
I feel like Brett could probably really crush that like slate of green tiles. I don't know why. He could try. It's online. <laughs> it's online. It, it's he'd be like, no, that's winter green. That's winter green, actually. That's periwinkle. Uh <laughs> I appreciate your confidence in my color theory abilities, but they're pretty shit, actually. They did like a psychic experiment where it was like, I, I think they did it like uh, implicit association bias things where it, it's like they'd pop up two colors and be like, are these the same or are these different? And Americans would just be like, I, I don't I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> but but people with languages that have that structure built in were just like, are you just for babies? Well, that's why there's so much to be gained by the political parties, like just finding words and abusing them until they're fucking meaningless that's why every every new term leftists come up with they're going to adopt and they're going to run into the fucking ground immediately it just came out this week that time's up which is like a social movement for getting sexual predators out of their fucking jobs right like it, it went hand in hand with the me too movement like the person who runs time's up is a lawyer who took a job defending goldman sachs from a sexual harassment lawsuit from a woman in goldman sachs Thank you for, for finding another movement that you got to slide your way into by pretending to be an ally and then just fucking nuking the minute it came for anyone that was friendly with you. Or really, the honest thing is anyone that was rich enough. If they get rich and powerful enough, we're, we can't fucking touch them. Yeah, it's definitely a, a message. So not only are the, the, the libs going to like take over social movements and do this, but and, and take the language of things like trauma it then sort of sets this like weird example that you start to see people follow uh, where like now science and therapy are words that I have no idea what they mean anymore. As far as I can tell, there are these weird fetishistic objects like guns are for Republicans that are fucking meaningless, that have no connection to real life, but like they seem really obsessed with them. All I know, all I need to know about science is that there's the scientist. He's got green eyes, and he's uh, what's fucking very uh, friendly, Fauci, and he likes Biden, and he doesn't like Trump. That means he's good. So yeah, the, believe the, science. The thing I like about that is sort of um, the same reason, like when you watch like TV and you see the commercials, that'll tell you who is also watching this show, because somebody with a lot more money than you has spent a whole lot of money to figure out, like, hey, guys with floppy dicks like watching football. Um, like the libs and like that sort of establishment loving science means that like all of these fucking K street million dollar an hour, you know, consultants and things have run a battery of tests on the people that the Dems want the most, which are like North Atlanta, white would be Republicans. And they said, Hey, you know what word really resonates with these people? Science. Don't, you don't have to explain it. Don't worry about it, but you're going to trust the science. It's the liberal co-opting of language is something that uh, Lenin wrote about in, in What is to be Done, where the, 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 the libs of his time, it, any idea that would crop up, they would uh, find a nitpick with it, steal the language, and then just shove one into the other. So that whatever the actual genuine concern that needed addressing might have been, for example, uh, you know, me Anything. too, <laughs> uh, like... Uh, it, it, these think these movements come organically from you know real needs and real pain of of working class people and just human beings in general but if you're not going to address it you just sort of encapsulize it within uh, a liberal language which is absolutely the the home field uh, of liberals like they are the masters uh, of language and going to school and, and academics and communication and all that shit and they just neutralize it by wrapping it up in their fucking 
uh, cell wall until they can break down everything that's within and then releasing it scattered. That's or, why I they're love not that. even that fucking good at it, by the way. That's no. the thing that that like it because they don't have to be that good because they're like unopposed and they have such fucking hegemonic domination over uh, media and government and culture and and uh, the lack of understanding of what a left is beyond just like you know, every it's all to the left of Fox News, right? Like they don't even have to be good at it. And when Obama, this is just a little thing, but when Obama was like, "Oh yeah, the the defund the police thing," oh, I just don't you think beat it's me a, to it. I don't think it's a, a good slogan. It's like. Motherfucker, what do you know about fucking Obama is someone, as we've seen in his sort of like post-presidency phase, he is like looked at as a messaging master, but it's only because he's only doing his fucking messaging kung fu against people that are willing participants. They're like, it's like an Aikido black belt who's like, check out how powerful I am. And he's like flipping over all of his students that just want to be flipped in the first place. Yeah. Steven Seagal in that like gym in Russia, like flipping people over. Yeah, just go to any social media from Joe Rogan and, and wait like a week and you'll see one of those videos that's just like a real fighter takes on uh, uh, Tai Chi or Aikido or whatever. <laughs> right? That's the Dems with messaging. Like they don't even have to be good at it or put in effort. Everybody is just uh, falling down at the death touch because this is the guru. This is the master. It's so fucking frustrating. Obama came out and said, you know, it's not, you don't need little, what did he say, like little plithy slogans. Those don't win elections. What, what, what like, demeaning term was he adding to, you know, a, a slogan that was born out of, like, fucking police just murking a dude in the street. And Obama's like, yeah, you don't win elections with those. Obama ran and won with a three-word slogan that meant nothing and that we were stupid enough to think that meant, like, hey, we won't die from not having health care. But that's like, allowed. As long as your slogan isn't tied to anything actionable or any obligation for the governing class, then that's, like, a good slogan. And a bad slogan is something that, you know, might compel us to or might create the expectation that we should act. That I is act literally it. I, I I think the BLM thing is like super informative because they very quickly did what they normally do with the phrase Black Lives Matter. We'll paint it on the street. We'll say it out loud. Guess what? We put it uh, on the teleprompter. That's how you know how meaningful it is to us. But the phrase defund the police actually is a meaningfully dangerous term for them. And there's no way that they can incorporate it and they know it. And so they have to just kill the goddamn movement because they can't possibly incorporate it into themselves because it would require actual action and doing something relatively radical for them. And that should be every fucking slogan should be that. Something that is too radical for these fucking cowards to co-opt and turn into another disgusting trophy that they hang on their, on their fucking live mantle as they go about slashing and burning their way through our social programs. Yeah, or else like you make it like incredibly specific. Like, that can't be, like, vaguely thing. Like, police should not have guns. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm saying, like, whatever. Like, police, like, take police's guns away. Like, this is the, this is the trap. This is, like, the liberal language trap is you hear the argument from Obama. It's obviously disingenuous, but you go, like, okay, I'm open-minded. I'm, I want to try to get to real solutions here. So, uh, if the problem is vagueness, maybe we'll have a more specific one. Uh, but that's not really what he's arguing, uh, the vagueness. He's arguing that it's going to turn people off and you won't be able to build consensus behind action. But that's bullshit. Look, I'm not a gun control guy, but there are many things in American politics 
that everyone in the fucking country, like 90% plus, we have consensus, people agree on it, and the Dems still don't do anything about it. So the end state of Obama's bullshit argument, like, well, maybe if you're just a, a little less mean and, and softer and maybe made it a bit more big tent and diluted the meaning, you know, you could get more people on board with, with your idea. It's like, we already did that with a whole bunch. We have a backlog of shit that everyone's on board on and you aren't doing fuck all for that anyway. So this is you just throwing a flashbang off to the side and then diving out the window. So with with Obama in this, like every fucking quote that's coming out from his like third or fourth autobiography, whichever one this is, um, they, they always said that Nixon was the most like psychoanalyzed president in part because he recorded himself just like, you know, free associating about things. And we have a I lot say of the original podcaster. I listened to this. <laughs> Man I mean, really the, the, did not like Jews. The uh, proto Nick Mullen. <laughs> But, like, Obama, like, you're reading these things that he's saying, and, like, are you fucking, like, just pissing on my head and telling me it's raining? Are you this fucking delusional? Like, you spent six years, seven years, having Mitch McConnell shit all over you. Everything you wanted has turned to, like, dust in your mouth. And the last thing that you have left from your entire administration is a broken-down version of your shitty broken-down healthcare plan that sucked in the first place. And he's sitting here saying, like, God, we gotta find this consensus. Like, has he learned nothing or is he just well, like I, is he hanging with richard branson now so he doesn't care it's a matter of objective right like the things he cared about were weren't the actual projects because he's one of these guys in his mind that's like you know i've been rewarded all the way up i've done things the right way and what i care about is my legacy and the projects were just a vehicle to his legacy now that the projects have all basically been fucking gutted and dunked on and his plans all fell through He's going back to stuff that is frustratingly familiar to us, right? He's going back to the language of like, well, you know, maybe my legacy wasn't these policies. It was being a reconciliator, you know, someone that, that, that brought the temperature down. You know, maybe it's actually, maybe it wasn't putting Hillary in, it was putting Biden in, actually. He's just casting about uh, to remind everybody that, you, you know, actually, uh, I, I'm a really good president and, and make sure when they do the biopics on future hbo and they write the team arrival book on, on me M make sure that they don't mention all the fail make sure we we emphasize the things i'm emphasizing now which is just like you know uh be polite uh, be kind hear people out you know don't don't be don't be too angry and, and really just brought us all to our better angels the poli the policies were what you do if you're a president trying to signal that but now that he's no longer a president and those policies didn't work out this is what we get he's just going to keep doing this it's not that he's fooled it's that his objective is different than you might think. I love that that entire generation doesn't know how to fucking leave on a high note. Like, he's going to J.K. Rowling himself. He's going to keep fucking re-explaining the goddamn canon over and over again until every fan is just sick of him. Just go the fuck away. No one wants to hear your bullshit anymore, man. You had it perfect. You were a fucking demigod to these people and your constant reminders of your pettiness and failures and the fact that like, yeah, you actually kind of fucking suck. Does it <laughs> help you? It just makes it worse. He's going to be like J.K. Rowling, but, he, you know, it's like the remember the early where J.K. Rowling, including just, the turf shit. Yeah. Yeah. But like even before that, where she was like, well, actually, this character was always gay. I just yes. you know, never said it <laughs> like he's well, doing that with Biden. He's like, actually, Biden was always kind of a genius. Yeah. Biden was actually gay the whole time. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Our first gay president. <laughs> Biden was actually always a progressive. 
Yeah. Uh, that that whole bit where he called for war everywhere that was actually my idea. <laughs> I love how this coming out that like, oh, Biden was actually against destroying Libya, and Obama was like, no, 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 we have to do this. We have to turn Libya into an open organ market, like open air organ market. That is gonna bring peace to the to North Africa. Honestly, I can't recommend the Robert Gates book enough. Like. He's a piece of shit Republican, but he was secretary of defense for the end of Bush. And uh, I think pretty much the entire first term of Obama. And it's fascinating because you do have to like read between the lines slightly, but it's fascinating to see the dynamics of like Dick Cheney, hundred percent is a psychopath. You, that comes across immediately, but Biden and Obama are a really weird combo. It's upsetting to see, but it's really fascinating just from a, like both of these dudes are psychopaths, but they're totally different flavors. Uh, Biden is, is going off of like, his like deluded dream of what the 1950s foreign policy was, right? Where he's like, we're going to do these things because it's good for the country. It's good for like American exceptionalism. And Obama is picking wars to start. Neither of these are good reasons to do things. Obama is picking campaigns to engage in based off of whether it'll look good on him and has a minimal chance of failure. Oh my right? God. Like, what's, what's the minimal amount of investment I need to get a maximal amount of praise? Yeah, what's going to be good for my legacy? Because I don't want people to think I was uh, weak on foreign <sighs> policy or not willing to, you know, literally pull the trigger on extrajudicially killing American citizens if I felt like I had to. Whereas Biden's like full on think he's Eisenhower and he's like, I can just go into any country I want. Dude, Obama literally in this new book, and I can't believe an editor didn't catch this and say, uh, dude, don't put this in there, was talking about taking, and he just said this in a fucking interview, was he was taking the considerations like, well, how are the Republicans going to say about me if I don't bomb this, you know, wedding in Yemen and, you know, then bomb the funeral <laughs> to make sure I got the survivors? Like, good God, dude. Yeah, it, no, it really does show how much of uh, the spectacle of politics here in America, as much as people are like, I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. You're neither. There's like a thousand people and so much of the policy considerations have nothing to do with like you or I and have everything to do with like, well, I have to see Mitch McConnell in the halls. And, you know, what if he thinks I'm a bitch? That's it. It's just trying to trying to look <laughs> professional or cool or tough in front of the people that you have to see in the halls every single day. I think the I think my favorite moment of the week was uh, Marsha Blackburn casually dropping, you know, some completely racially insensitive slur about China on Twitter because she's not working, obviously. And uh, a Chinese politician just replied to her and called her a bitch. That's like, a, rule. <laughs> a blue check Chinese politician. And but like now he's doing it like over and over again. Like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know anything about his politics. I don't know how many people he's had murdered or whatever. But I guarantee Tennessee would be in a better state uh, with China ruling it than it is with Marsha Blackburn. And, you know, the wrestler Kane being the mayor of Knox County and things like that. We'd have some fucking functioning infrastructure. I guarantee you that. I just want to say on a Kantian level, you know, I, I don't love the casual misogyny, but a, as like a, a universal maxim, uh, other countries and their leaders calling Americans bitches at any given moment is actually <laughs> a better universe. The world is, is a more peaceful place if we create that norm. <laughs> but before we wrap up, keen-eyed listeners which makes no sense uh may have noticed that instead of engaging earnestly with politics uh, i didn't intend this to be a bit but after mentioning uh coldplay goth uh I, i've just been none of you guys caught this I i've mean, just i i've just been uh 
working titles of Coldplay songs into literally every <laughs> sentence I've said over like the last hour. So it's, it's like one of those Where's Waldo books where you get to the end and it's like, but did you know about Walu Waldo? Go back to the beginning and find Purple Waldo in all of these images. <laughs> you can now go back and listen and catch. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna put in the bottom because at first it was just like a gimmick, like ha. And then I'm pretty sure I I've made my way to like somewhere between like 25 and 50. That's impressive. I can't play do titles. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm very good at communicating. I think uh, yellow I caught because I was I remember thinking like huh, that's, that's an odd that's word weird. choice. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the thing you don't notice it at first. This is like the this is like the usual suspects. You, you drop the mug and everything pieces together at the bottom of the show notes because I'll I'll have to listen through to you know when we like. Uh, you know, edit for for sound and clarity and all that stuff. I will actually put at the bottom, at uh, underneath the timestamps, how many Coldplay titles uh, uh, I threw out during this one. <laughs> you know, just to spice it up, <laughs> just to have some fun as we uh, uh, ascend further and further into the abyss at the fucking speed of sound. Bum 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 bum. All right, y'all, thanks for listening. This has been Brad at Relentless Board. That was Rob, Dumb and Awful. Brad, Fizz, Fishizzle. The show account is at Dumb Awful Show. Patreon is patreon.com slash dumb, A-N-D, awful. We tried to do something new this time with a bonus. We uh, were watching Swingers, the movie, uh, the 1996 Vince Vaughn, John Favreau movie. For Kino Lefter's guest spot that we did, that should be out sometime in the next few days. But we decided to do a bonus. It's just... Uh, us doing live commentary so you can match it up to the movie and watch it through with us. Um, and we genuinely did not prep for that one, but it was, it was delightful. I had a good time. John Favreau, most powerful man in Hollywood. I don't mind that. He seems like a decent enough fellow. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, like that movie really was the, the passing of the torch, you know, that, that was Alexander meeting Plato uh, <laughs> because Miramax at the time was headed by the current most powerful person in Hollywood. And now uh, his star in that movie is the new one so you know bleak <laughs> uh but yeah thanks for listening y'all we'll see you on the next one 